Hello, thank you for tuning in to the sixth episode of Health Charcha in association with Medtronic. I'm Deepthi Ahuja, podcast producer at HD Smartcast and your podcast host and those. In this show, we attempt to answer all your burning health questions with the help of medical practitioners. Historically, the idea of giving birth is one that is most celebrated and also most feared. A phenomenon most discussed in history, it also has the capability to make or break relationships worldwide. Time and again, conversations around reproduction have been used to gain precedence politically, economically, socially, and even personally. As a result of such overwhelming arguments over birth, a lot of issues regarding this very delicate reproductive organ are sometimes shoved under the carpet. No pun intended. So taking a tiny step towards educating ourselves, let's talk about a condition that affects the uterus or the bachedani. Let's talk about endometriosis. This disease is also known as the invisible illness. Why? Because many of women suffer from this illness for at least a decade or so before they actually get diagnosed. As per the studies done by the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists and articles published in National Center for Biotechnology Information, it is estimated that one in every 10 women have endometriosis. But it can take anywhere from about 3 to 11 years for them to be officially diagnosed with this condition once the symptoms start showing. Not only does this have a devastating effect on the quality of our lives owing to the symptoms, but endometriosis is also the biggest cause of infertility in women and carries a huge personal and societal cost. So today, we have with us Dr. Anshamala Shukla Kulkarni, who is a consultant gynecologist at Kokila Ben Dhirubhai Ambani Hospital in Mumbai. She will talk to us about what this invisible illness is, its symptoms, and how to best deal with the issues that stem from it. Welcome, Dr. Anshamala. Welcome to Health Charcha. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Deepti. Thank you very much for uh, taking on uh, this topic for your podcast this time. Uh, I am well in the Corona times and, uh, you know, been making it an endeavor to make sure that while we all deal with Corona, we are not forgetting the regular things that do affect people because, you know, everything all around is all about Corona, COVID and everything. But, you know, this is one disease that has actually been affecting women for the longest time and uh, is still continue to, it is really not gone away. Absolutely. Great to speak to you today about this. Absolutely. So, uh, Dr. Anshamala, let's uh, start with talking about endometriosis, what it is and how common is it? Uh, the endometriosis is actually uh, very, uh, it's actually very common. Like you said, it's one in 10 reproductively aged individuals, typically mm-hmm. between 25 to 45 years of age would uh, suffer from this women. Uh, and uh, there's a very large group of women worldwide, including a lot of celebrities uh, who have come up and spoken about it, you know, having suffered through the disease, taken treatment and things like that. What essentially endometriosis 
is uh, so let's talk about the bachchidani like you said the uterus and right we all know uterus has uh, this capability of holding a pregnancy and uh, in preparation for holding the pregnancy it grows a lining inside of it which is very spongy full of blood and as the moment your eggs are coming out it starts growing up you know and the moment the period has come i mean the, there's no pregnancy the period just comes and you have a bleeding that occurs and that's a normal thing all of us you know are aware um, about this what hmm. happens is in endometriosis this lining which is inside of the uterus has started to grow in areas it is not supposed to grow this could be behind the uterus it could be on the ovaries it could be on the fallopian tube in the muscle of the uterus sometimes on your intestine sometimes on the urinary bladder and sometimes even far flung places across like the lungs and the diaphragm now this to see this particular tissue is exactly the same as what grows inside of the uterus and it's going to respond exactly the way the ovaries producing its hormone and causing the uterus to bleed so hmm. what happens this is bleeding there is blood coming out from these abnormal tissues say behind the uterus back somewhere around your intestines there is blood coming out every month whenever you have your periods but that blood is not supposed to be there your your abdominal cavity or your stomach area is not supposed to have blood inside of it the moment the blood comes in there is a reaction the patient suddenly has inflammation swelling pain and uh, often that leads to damage of these organs uh, there could be a dysfunction in how the ovary works and things like that so you know this is something that starts small and snowballs into something that affects everything all across in the pelvis it's not uncommon dipti to find these people actually being labeled as being psychotic or you know just faking their symptoms or being high maintenance as they say hmm. so that's endometriosis for you wow uh you know like you said uh, it takes a lot of time to diagnose these things generally when um, this happens endometriosis is also confused with uh, you know painful periods so could you tell us something a bit more about how to you know distinguish between a really painful period and you know a pain that is uh, stemming from endometriosis you know i think women um, are we made to suffer is my question because <laughs> uh, here we are saying that there are some periods which are supposed to be painful so i mean is it okay for having painful periods no it isn't you know yeah. i don't think we were destined by nature in our formation to be going through hell uh, every month or while giving childbirth like you know it's not it's not supposed to be like that we have over years evolved into developing or so that's why probably i would say that we condescend these symptoms so we say it's okay it's normal it's normal now pain with periods which you get initially when you're a younger person you're less than 25 years of age is a pain that comes only on the first day okay it mm-hmm. involves you taking maybe rest maybe a bit of hot water bag and you are fine and fit the next day the bleeding goes on stops and you just get on with your normal life that's normal painful periods which is caused by a, a spasm or you know a, a contraction in the uterus muscles spasmodic dysmenorrhea uh, mm-hmm. that is very different from endometriosis pain look like i said endometriosis pain is going to be something which is not going to allow you to do your routine activities periods were not meant to take you away from your work it was not meant for you to start skipping work requiring double triple timer of analgesics or painkillers so that's not how normal period is supposed to be so we tend to think that this pain okay this one is little more pain maybe she doesn't tolerate pain but that's not how it is a normal pain would be only for a day maybe two days but one medication or just rest and you are okay with it it is also not associated with abnormal bleeding so you would not have spotting happening for days together before the period actually starts 
or you would not have an extremely heavy period uh, with the pain that is coming in there so all of that so if you are having pain which starts off before the period is actually started and you have pain all through the bleeding cycle sometimes hmm. you have pain in the middle of your cycle where you know this called middle schmerz is an ovulation pain that occurs so you have this 14 15th day pain that occurs if you are going to have pain like this which is something that is always there and your period is always associated with pain you don't think of period as anything and you actually plan your your trips and your vacation and everything else in your social life according to when your period cycle is coming that's not normal pain because period is supposed to be natural you are not supposed to be that painful i must say that it is very comforting uh, to have you question the whole idea of uh, you know period pains is it really normal i mean you know the way it is normalized you know you know you get over this and all of those things it it's very comforting to hear it coming from a gynecologist um as a woman specifically <laughs> um so we have spoken about different kinds of symptoms that one can experience during their menstrual cycle but what are the other symptoms which are not really related to menstrual cycles uh, but can also indicate the presence of this illness is invisible illness ka hum parda fash aur kaise kar sakte hain right so uh, like i said lot of times this diagnosis doesn't happen very quickly because the symptoms that are coming to you are uh, coming at different times so like having sometimes patients with endometriosis only have been during ovulation also what can happen is uh, you may be someone who is having bloating in the stomach which is unreasonable and the bloating is much more just before periods but your stomach literally swells up and becomes like 2 3 inches more than what it was otherwise and you know there's just this bloating feeling happening sometimes there's a lot of pain while passing stools a lot of these patients of endometriosis are actually diagnosed as having irritable bowel syndrome which means there is an alternate between having days of diarrhea and then days of constipation so it's never a normal cycle they're very sensitive to what the kind of food that they eat and they get this immense bloating that happens sometimes it may be just pain the pain is more during deep penetration it's not so much during the superficial penetration but when they're having intercourse uh, they will find extreme pain during intercourse especially on deep penetration and uh, that is something that there's no other symptom but there's just that pain and then they don't understand where it is coming from and like i said everything is normal even if there is no pain and a patient is otherwise been fine cycles have all been good but then she starts trying for pregnancy and uh, you know it just doesn't happen she can't get pregnant so i guess uh, how you would know you know whether you should be checked for endometriosis or not is firstly of course is always pain if the pain is uncharacteristic not like a normal pain period cycle if your bleeding is excessive there is spotting all through the month cycle if you are having uh, bloating symptoms you've done a colonoscopy but there is not no problem with your colon but yet you feel bloated all the time and uh, you have yeah. painful intercourse that's when you know that uh, it needs to be looked at and probably uh, like a detective go in search for it and right. look for the endometriosis where it is at <laughs> Yes. Uh so uh just to be sure that you know uh, these are the signs and symptoms we should also try and uh, distinguish them and differentiate them from the myths and misconceptions uh you know that there are around endometriosis. So could you tell us a little more about that? What are the kind of misconceptions that the patients generally come up with uh you know while they are consulting uh, with you? 
Yeah. So the first thing that I would like to tell um, all women about this is, uh, you know, uh, there are different uh, things about endometriosis which are there are misconceptions. But the most important thing is this pressure of uh, telling a patient who has endometriosis that you should just get pregnant, just get pregnant. There's no other way that this is going to get better. And the moment you get pregnant, you will not have endometriosis again. That's just so so wrong. Because mm-hmm. uh, we've had patients who've had three, four children, and uh, at the end of it, after thirty-five, thirty-six years of age, they develop endometriosis, which is quite severe. So pregnancy may be a stopgap for you for uh, your symptoms of endometriosis, but it is not a cure. And young girls, twenty-five, twenty-six, you know, you're just putting the, them through undue pressure, telling them just get married, just get pregnant, because you know this is going to be the solution for your endometriosis. It's not going to be. That's the first biggest myth that happens with endometriosis. That people, as well as do- some of the doctors, feel that it that's how it works. Also, sometimes it's just the bleeding. They feel that it's only heavy bleeding that's endometriosis. Baki, there can't be anything else. I mean, heavy bleeding can occur due to various other things. It could be just hormonal. It could be fibroids. Also, uh, you know, with regards to the age, so the most common endometriosis is found between the age of twenty-five to forty-five, right? But right. Uh, we have a subset of people called as adolescents. So these are young girls, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen-year-olds who develop endometriosis. So uh, you know, it's possible that if you're a young person, so at the one end of the spectrum, if you're a very young person who's just uh, fifteen, sixteen, can also have extreme excruciating pain because of endometriosis. You know, even menopausal ladies can manifest as uh, endometriosis, which is growing. Especially if you are someone who's going to be taking uh, supplements, lot of uh, hormone supplements or uh, a lot of medical supplements for menopause are available, which are very high in estrogen source, natural sources of estrogen, of course. But they also can cause endometriosis at a later age. That's really surprising. मतलब छुटकारा ही नहीं है तो let's <laughs> <laughs> I think so we'll come to that. I'm sure there is there's always a solution uh-huh. to the problem. There's always a rainbow, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, before we come to that, let's also talk about different types of endometriosis. Uh, you also mentioned adenomyosis during uh, the last uh, answer. I'd really like to know what are these different types uh, that one can develop of endometriosis. So, sixty percent of patients who have endometriosis would have a cyst growing in the ovary. Uh, they will uh, generally have a deposit of the endometriotic gland on the ovary surface, which grows into a cyst, like like a balloon, basically, which has an huh. endometriotic gland, which is collecting this old blood every month, every month, and it's slowly growing in size. These are mm-hmm. the ones that are the most common. Sixty percent of them would have that. Um, there is the other sector people who have peritoneal endometriosis, which means on the nerves. Right behind the uterus is the uterosacral. There are two supports which contain nerves going to the uterus. Hmm. Often, if you have a painful um, blood spot there, that would cause uh, extreme amount of pain to these patients. There are also endometriosis found on the urinary tracts, so the tract which comes from the kidneys going to the urine bladder. Often, that has endometriosis. So, the different organs. So there are people who get endometriosis in the lungs, where they have a collection of blood every month after periods. In, in the lungs, yes, yes, in the lungs. So in the in the pleural cavity, the cavity which is around the lungs. So they, so I've had a nurse who came from Muscat who had this actually, and she would just have this pain, weird pain, and would collection of fluid, and was investigated again by the thoracic surgeon. She didn't come for endometriosis. She came for the lungs filling up with fluid every time. She didn't know that the painful period is a problem. Never thought that painful period is an issue to be looked at even, right? 
so it it can come all across everywhere uh, across the system in the abdomen is most commonly seen in the uterus and there is a way of kind of finding out or telling you how severe you are like just for your understanding as like how bad am i how bad is my endometriosis so mm. you can be classified from a stage 1 to a stage 4 depending on what all organs are involved um something like how you would do with cancer staging where you know uh, 1 and 2 you feel ha okay theek hai i i don't have such a bad problem 3 and 4 is a very serious issue uh i think depending on how many organs are involved we would classify it as stage 1 to 4 mm-hmm. so endometriosis would behave like cancer with the exception of not going and damaging or invading another organ so quickly i think you know that's how endometriosis really behaves i mean i would call it like a benign cancer i don't know if that is even a correct thing to say but yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah that was the image that was uh, forming in my mind you know when mm. you spoke about lungs and the kidney and the intestines i was like are you bapre this is actually pretty much like how you know uh, one would have cancer but yeah i understand that it's not uh, cancer obviously it's benign it's benign tumor yeah, i don't want to scare you dipti these are very rare instances so i'm just telling you how all it can do what all to you yeah Most people would come with just pelvic which means only in the lower part of the uh, you know cavity the pelvis is one which is between our uh, hip bones just that part endometriosis it does not go to the rest of it organs so commonly so don't worry okay yeah but having said that i really hope that uh, you know people are moved uh, by this conversation so far uh, anyone who's listening uh, you know is moved and actually reconsider uh, their reproductive health and how to take care of it having said that it's very prevalent amongst our society for women and their families to ignore intimate health to absolutely no end so let's talk about the one thing that makes sense to everyone right endometriosis and infertility tell mm-hmm. us about how this illness can affect a woman's ability to bear children so endometriosis if it's in a mild first stage one or two would not really affect fertility much but if it starts affecting the ovary uh, the positioning of the ovary positioning of the fallopian tubes that is the conduit through which the egg actually walks into the uterus cavity and if it starts affecting these things their functions are lost so the fallopian tube cannot you know literally suck the egg out and it becomes swollen and full of blood mm-hmm. and all of that blood then inflammatory exudate or we say like um, fluid which comes out because of swelling from those tissue so all those fluid is very toxic to the eggs for so the egg doesn't even if it comes out it's not fertile it is not able to give you a pregnancy that's one thing second is the cyst in the ovary itself is utoxic so if you have a cyst which is sitting inside for long long periods of time it can actually damage your good eggs as well uh, but uh, yeah fertility would get affected because the eggs would not come out if they come out they are going to get uh, swamped with these toxic fluid which is around which is damaging the fertility of the egg also mm-hmm. uh, the uterus having had adenomyosis being very swollen will not allow the eggs to get implanted so you get pregnant you have the embryo walking into the uterus but then because there is this flow constant flow of blood coming from the adenomyosis little little small little little blood it doesn't allow the pregnancy to stick to the uterus so that's the reason why uh, it can cause so uh, like i said of course if you have a stage 1 2 you have a good chance of getting pregnant easily if you have a stage 3 or 4 you may have to resort to ivf that's in vitro fertilization or test tube baby yeah because uh, the fallopian tubes would not work very well and uh, very rarely if the uterus is quite damaged because of adeno you may need to go in for surrogacy so yes it does affect quite severely 
So my appeal to anyone who's listening to this episode is just that, you know, if you anticipate that you could have this disease, do uh, consider going to a gynecologist. Having said that, again, you know, it isn't easy, you know, uh, sometimes and for various reasons. Uh, so uh, the best way to um, deal with something like this would be to also educate ourselves further to be able to justify it to ourselves or someone else, a visit to a gynecologist. Uh, so Dr. Anshamala, how can endometriosis be diagnosed? Very difficult to diagnose it unless you have uh, visited a doctor who's sensitive to uh, listening to the symptomatology. So the pain mm. characteristics of not being just to the stomach, going into different areas, pain which is coming with periods, which is out of character to a normal period cycle is the most important thing on history. Examination is the second step wherein when you're examining a patient, uh, you feel the endometriotic nodules. You feel that the uterus is fixed and stuck in places which gives you an idea that endometriosis could be a big possibility. Uh, in terms of diagnosis of ultrasound or MRI, we always do an ultrasound, but it would only pick up endometriosis 60% of the times. 40% of the time, we would still miss it on ultrasound. It will come very, very normal. Hmm. MRI has some help in terms of uh, looking at uh, rectovaginal, which means endometriosis, which is stuck between the intestines and the uterus. Um, so the MRI can help us to look for that and identify uh, endometriosis in that area. And the ultimate method of actually uh, diagnosing endometriosis is by doing a laparoscopy. Because when you see it is when you can believe it. And once you take out that excision and you send it out for testing the tissue and it comes up from the lab as saying endometriosis confirmed is actually the only way of 100% definitely diagnosing laparoscopy. So it is essentially requires a high standard of suspicion where I would be very uh, keen and very sensitive to picking it up from the patient's mm. history, uh, a good examination, and uh, and of course, laparoscopy would be the 100% method. So clearly, despite the fact that, you know, we no matter how much we educate ourselves, it just basically depends upon the doctor you're going to, how you present your case history, uh, how open you are about uh, talking about your symptoms and how intuitive the doctor themselves are, uh, I mean, you know, to diagnose it or to even consider diagnosing it, mm-hmm. which could lead to embarrassment. So I think let's try and, you know, approach this justification from a different point of view. Um, uh, tell us why is it uh, so hard to identify, you know, just to normalize this whole idea of seeking help from a gynecologist. Um, if you could just tell us again, why is this illness so hard to, you know, really, really identify? You know, Dipti, things have changed. Um, I would have probably said that um, it's a mindset of the patient and, you know, it just, they just don't want to go there unless it's it's absolutely right up there and they are drowning in that particular problem. Hmm. But they would not otherwise, you know, get busy with their lives, with their family lives and not really want to go and seek for small aches and pains, just pop in a crocin, pop in a meftal spas, the most uh, commonly used medication. And, uh, you know, just try and see if they can, you know, manage their symptoms. Or in fact, sometimes, you know, even uh, family members would tell them, you know, it's okay, it's just pain, just take a medication or, uh, you know, how can we go now to a gynecologist? You know, this one is there, that one is there, this one ka ye hona hai, uska wo hona hai, time nahi hai. Or problem hoga to dekhenge. Very patronizing for women, generally, if they're married women. Hmm. And young girls wouldn't even think because, you know, why would I want to go to a gynecologist? Like, oh, is there something wrong? 
that kind of a stigma is there in their head. But that was, some, I think, to some extent, this kind of a stigma is very much uh, true in uh, some of our smaller towns. Possibly, they are still thinking in that manner. I think in Mumbai, uh, what I have seen a change with the kind of people who come to the hospital that I work at is uh, they are far more and and Google. I mean, I would say Google and internet. everything has made people more aware young people are very very vocal now they don't keep quiet for small things they they want to vocalize and they want their attention they don't want to keep quiet anymore it just doesn't happen oh. so they have started seeking out you know why would women women don't have to suffer that's it that's the underlying thing here that you know it's been enough and enough years that women have been told to just cope with everything that's happening with them it's not required we are very much empowered and we are very much capable of taking care of ourselves it's not like you have to depend on the husband or anybody you know in the family to bring you to the gynecologist you walk in and go mm. and meet them women should start doing at least a yearly or a two yearly checkup with the gynecologist to make sure that you know things are all in place whatever you're saying honestly it's so empowering there's a part of me that's so garden garden right now kehte na dil garden garden ho raha hai acha so now uh, dr anshumala let's talk about treatments hai na what are the different hmm. kinds of treatments that are available hmm. for this disease so endometriosis is like i said hormone dependent it's going to be because your egg is producing a certain set of hormones it's responding to it and releasing blood and hmm. most of our medications unfortunately um, there is a lot of research going on in endometriosis but we don't have an answer of a cure we don't have anything that takes it away forever there is no hmm. medication that makes it disappear but we have a lot of medication that help us to suppress the symptoms so we are able to get your symptoms under control so you are able to function normally or able to not have so much of pain and we are also able to give you medications that help you to improve your fertility chances so that you know you are able to get pregnant with minimum whatever treatment is required it could start with just basic painkillers for someone who has mild endometriosis like uh, nsaids and uh, things then there could be hormonal medications like your oral contraceptive pills uh, hmm. progesterone only medications there are injections available for it in patients with fertility we usually advise a gnrh agonist injection it's an injection which blocks your periods and hormones for a little while it just takes down mm-hmm. the inflammation immediately and then you know pregnancy becomes easier um you could also go in for long term management like i said this is something that will come to you at 25 years of age and you're looking at 20 years of management of your pain uh no medication can possibly be given to you for such a long period of time it is mm. not possible to give uh, hormone tablets for such a long period of time to anyone so we always have to come up with something that is suitable to the patient at that particular time so look if you are younger oral medications are good for you when you grow older possibly a hormone iud if your uterus is small in size uh, using these things may just help you to uh, you know cope with the symptomatology so it essentially is uh, hormone medications which are there uh at the end of it all there are some indications where you have to go in of course diagnosis is one thing but there are some indications where you would have to go in for surgery and uh, that would primarily be pain which is not getting relieved with medications very severe endometriosis or you're looking for fertility that is when uh, laparoscopy would be required and again i'm telling you you are looking at 20 years i can't uh do a laparoscopy for you now leave you alone and then after 3 4 years of recurrence do another laparoscopy it's very often endometriosis patients go through 3 4 laparoscopies wow. so it's very important to be able to ideally suit 
the treatment in such a way that it's a combination of medications and laparoscopy lifestyle management which is very yeah. important for endometriosis also diet management so you manage your symptoms and you're able to cope with this you know for as long as it's required amazing um now let's take another brave step and talk about surgery uh, dr anshimala what are the different options available for surgery so uh, essentially uh, it's proven now worldwide that uh, laparoscopy or keyhole surgery is the preferred method of doing endometriosis surgery open surgery is not recommended for doing endometriosis surgery simply because everything is very deep inside the pelvis and you need magnification you're looking at small 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 lesions which will not always be visible on an open surgery with your naked eye hmm. laparoscopy advantage is that they are keyhole small incisions made on the tummy through the belly button and around the uh, lower abdomen uh, the laparoscope magnifies your uh, vision by about 3 times so you see a magnified view because it's a long pole like thing which goes inside is able to go into every nook and corner and see where your endometriosis is and you are able to excise it the patient is up and about the same day she's able to get up and go to the washroom eat food and is discharged typically within 24 to 48 hours after surgery and back mm. to routine activities in a week's time so that's uh, the beauty of doing minimal access surgery or laparoscopic surgery uh, it is particularly suited for endometriosis because of the magnification it is uh, going to give you if you do a good excisional surgery you will find that the patient post operative will suddenly say that i had that burning pain and it's just not there anymore it's gone so that's mm. the best thing that happens to them so of course this this excisional surgery includes removing cyst from the ovary in some cases where um, if they have a very bad adenomyosis and uh, you know the uterus muscle is very inflamed they may require a hysterectomy uh, with removal of both ovaries uh generally i would oh. reserve something like that for someone who's more than 45 years of age who is close to menopausal age but not for someone who's younger there are ways of managing a patient of endometriosis without removing a uterus without removing the ovary you know but just doing a good excision surgery so that's how it is and the best thing about all of this is that laparoscopy gives the patient the advantage of getting up sitting up doing routine activities same day going to the washroom walking eating by herself the next day she is capable of taking her own shower getting up moving around the bed and you know go home and a week's time you're just back to routine you know so that okay. that uh, pretty much though it takes a, it may take a couple of hours to do the surgery but post op the patient is just very very comfortable that is so good to hear considering the busy lifestyle that we have and thanks to 2020 work from home has uh, i think taken everyone's case all right so considering the fact that there is no cure for endometriosis but then you know people manage a lot of lifelong diseases as well like asthma diabetes how can we best manage this invisible illness so like i said to you we have to look at the holistic way of looking at a patient so it's never uh, <clears throat> just surgery and leave her alone you have to talk mm-hmm. the patient through the fact that along with surgery she will require hormone medications to keep her symptoms at bay to keep recurrence at bay uh things which help to reduce inflammation inside the stomach so uh changing the diet to include uh, what is called a low food map or things like gluten cow's milk um lot of cheese sugar these are inflammatory things these are to be avoided in your diet increasing fiber fresh fruits they actually help you to reduce your inflammation so therefore they help you to uh, you know reduce your pain also exercise helps a lot 
someone who is not active if they start exercising and become active with some amount of cardio on a daily basis you'll find that they are able to manage uh, their pain much better so their need for energy six reduces they become more comfortable able to walk about do every routine activity much better if uh, they manage their lifestyle very well of course any uh, patient who has a long term illness will uh, always be a lot of stress involved in there because they'll always think about what's happening with them and what it is but like i would say you know good stress is good because it helps you to perform very well but uh, you know the stress becomes bad if it starts not allowing you to do any work at all so you have to draw that line so, and say okay i have this but i know how to take care of it i'm going to be on top of it i'm not going to get bowed down by it and i can and it's possible it, you know with the correct treatment the correct guidance very possible for you to be as normal as anybody else and you know and probably you know come out as a fighter through all of this yeah i think uh, just be sure to uh, take care of all of it like not just surgery not just medications but your lifestyle as well needs to be looked at that's the crux of yeah it. and and in a way it's also extremely good right i mean if we yeah. watch our diet we exercise regularly we take care of our stress levels i mean quality of life otherwise also in other streams also improves thank you so much uh, dr anshamala it was a pleasure having this conversation with you and thank you so much for you know talking to us about endometriosis this invisible illness that haunts a lot of our days and nights and lives thank you it's my pleasure dipti very nice to speak with you and i hope this podcast is heard of by not only the women but a lot of men as well and they'll go back to their family and look at women around them and see if they are the ones who are silently suffering this and you know just get out of that silent suffering go ahead get yourself checked get yourself treated because it's not right to suffer nobody should suffer that's what i feel about this absolutely well said uh, and thank you so much so dear listener let's try not be a slave to this illness men women alike if you suspect that you or your loved one might have endometriosis seeking out a specialist is your best bet if you've already done that and can't find the means to support your treatment due to stigma advocate for yourself get support from online communities if you are one of those few privileged people like myself who have the means and the support to get the treatment share your story and raise awareness because no woman should have to go through the pain of having endometriosis no matter if the pain is inflicted physically psychologically or socially hena on that note we come to an end of this episode do tune in next week when we come back with another topic and another charcha until then stay safe Stay healthy. For more information on this disease, you can visit Medtronic India on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or reach out to us at HT Smartcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To listen to more such podcasts, tune into htsmartcast.com or सुनते रहिए नए नजरिए से. This was an HT Smartcast original. HD Smartcast